Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, hello, football fans. Welcome to a jam-packed Gagan pod. We're full of special guests today. We've got Mark Schwarzer, Thomas Sorensen, Michael Bridges, and former Matilda Amy Duggan joining us to talk everything Sam Kerr, women's FA Cup final, and Joe Montemuro winning the title with Juventus before we turn our attention to the Premier League, the best players of the year, the manager of the year, Pep Guardiola, teaming up with Paul Pogba and Erling Haaland next season. We look at that relegation battle and all the football coming up this weekend. It's all the latest news storylines you cannot miss here on the Gagan pod. Yes, guys, welcome back to the Gagan Pod. I'm joined by a super team today. Can't wait to get into it. But before we dive into everything we've got to chat about and our special guest, I'm going to kick it off with some breaking news because, look, this may not be huge news for all football fans, but for you niche football fans or you fans that follow in the lower grades of English football, Sunderland are one step closer to getting back to the championship. They've beaten Sheffield Wednesday over two legs, 2-1 the aggregate score. They'll take on Wickham and Adebayo Akinfenwa, everyone's favourite player. Sitting at about 200 kilos up top. Michael Bridges, you've won a championship title with Sunderland. That's got to be some good news for you this morning. Absolutely amazing. Been watching the game. It was um, nerve-wracking stuff. There's a documentary called Sunderland Till I Die and it's obviously watching them go from the Premier League down to Division 1, the, the decline of the club. And this is a huge moment. They get a chance to go back to Wembley. Um, like you said, I've, I got promoted with the champions um, from the championship to the Premier League with Tom and Sorensen. And I also missed out on a playoff final due to Mickey Gray missing a penalty in the final at Wembley against Charlton. So, I've, you know, this is a big part of my life and I'm just delighted to see Sunderland and the fans will be buzzing. But the job is not done because Akin Fenwa may play his last game for Wickham. And if anybody will spoil the party, it could be him. He's a big fella, isn't he? Uh, he, he makes you look super skinny, even at your age now, Bridget. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Tommy. Tommy. That's fired. Tom. Tommy Sorensen, Tommy, you, another one. You've had a, a, an amazing time at Sunderland. You know these fans better than anyone as well. What does it mean to them? And are they going to be celebrating this or are they still feeling that sense of entitlement that it's not enough until they're up in the Premier League? No, I think the realism has kicked in uh, for the last uh, three or four years now. Um, you know, they, you, you, like Bridget said, you go through that Sunderland until I die. You see the passion, especially that northeast. Mark has played up at, at Middlesbrough. You know, so it, it, you know, it will mean a lot to them. I think they would just want a bit of positivity. You know, going to Wembley is a big thing, but uh, we need Sunderland in the championship for, for the support. Uh, they've got a great stadium. Uh, just get that club uh, back on track. So, you know, I've got everything, uh, everything crossed here. Stadium of Light, Estadio de Luz. Um, massive story there. Uh, Sunderland up to Wembley now. We're going to look forward to those all those Wembley playoffs. So it's always a great week in, in English football. Marky Schwarzer, I wasn't going to go to you on Sunderland, but I feel as though you've got something cheeky to say. No, I I, um, I really hope that Sunderland come up in the championship because it'll be an easy six points for Middlesbrough next season and help them get promoted <laughs> back in the Premier League. Uh, dreaming, there's dreaming. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. Wait till I retweet that and get all my Sunderland fans to absolutely smash you. Uh, what, five of them? Come yeah, on. all five of them. <laughs> Brilliant. Schwarzy, what about the latest transfer news, though, on Erling Haaland? They reckon personal terms have been agreed. Some pretty credible journalists have spoken about this one. Do we just hand Man City the Premier League title next season? 
No, not at all. But obviously, it's a huge signing. Um, and I think it's a worst worst kept secret. I mean, it was inevitable. I think for a long time now that he was going to be unveiled at some stage. Um, listen, he's a phenomenal talent, no doubt about it. Big question mark is just about his fitness. Yeah. You know, can he stay fit? He's had a really torrid time, and there's a lot of question marks over whether or not he's 100% fit right now because he's not playing anywhere near as well, and he doesn't seem as mobile as he has been earlier on since he's been at Dortmund. Mm, it's a beautiful storyline considering his dad played there, so really excited to see how that turns out. You look at the Premier League top scorers this season, lots of wingers up there. Salah Son are leading the charts, so it'll be good to see uh, a classic number nine back in the Premier League, hopefully to compete it with those guys. We talk about classic number nine. The most talked about number nine in England this week was not a man. It was, in fact, Sammy Kerr, and what a finish to the season it was for her in the WSL. It went right down to the wire, so we're bringing in former Matilda Amy Duggan to chat about that final round. Amy, firstly, thanks so much for joining us bright and early. So super excited to be here, especially talking about Sammy's double yesterday and the big win. Well, exactly right. I mean, you don't have to lie about being excited to talk to these mugs on, the, on a Tuesday morning, but to talk about Sammy Kerr's win, definitely we are all excited. It was big. It went down to the wire and it was, stage was set for a big player to really step up in that moment. Still, I feel Sam has her critics um, for maybe her style to play of play, maybe how raw she appears when she's got the ball at her feet, but then she can pop up and score two goals, which are goal of the season contenders. What do you make of it? Well, I, I thought the pressure was really on Chelsea, obviously, with Arsenal super close behind, one point behind. And, you know, it was all Chelsea's to lose at the end of the day. And the way that they came out was actually quite frightening. The pressure obviously really got to them. Uh, their first half was horrid. <laughs> um, you know, Manchester United put a couple away. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they're, they're going to lose this right at the death. But I don't know what Emma Hayes said to her team at halftime, but it settled the nerves for them. And they came out. And uh, Emma's relationship with Sam, I've said before, is a really special one she absolutely gets the best out of Sam and allows her to have that I guess what you were saying before raw freedom up front to create and to try things that perhaps other players wouldn't try in moments like that and yesterday uh, you know especially that that second goal where she's not even facing the goal and just brings it down and, and has a crack I think mm. um, it's it's one of those moments that had she missed it and made a mess of it we'd be super critical but because it's gone in the back of the net it's pure genius and um, you, you know for Sam to step up on the big stage is something that we all love to see we want to see it replicated for Australia and uh, I think she, she certainly is the talk of the town well to go and win titles I mean it's an incredible record seven golden boot titles in six years right and that of course is considering the fact that the Aussie players used to play an A-League season and an American season all in one year but seven golden boots in six years is remarkable can we already start tossing her up as the greatest Australian footballer of all time? You know, I was having a, a big think about that overnight because a lot of people have branded her as Australia's best. And, uh, mm. you know, she overtook Timmy Cahill's record, um, scoring the most goals ever as an Australian player now with plus 50. She's decided to stay with Chelsea till 2024. She's won uh, a golden boot on three separate continents, I think. So, you know, Australia, the US and, and now over in England, um, she's she's pulls out these amazing moments. But like you said, there are still her critics there. I think she's the best player we have at the moment. And that's not to take away from the likes of Steph Catley, Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler. Steph scored a great goal yesterday um, also for Arsenal and we've hardly even talked about it. Uh, mm. You know, they've had a great season, especially since coming back from the Asian Cup in, in January. But is she the best? 
I think at the moment she absolutely is. That's undeniable. Can you compare her to generations past? I think it's really unfair to do so because the the players of generations past just simply didn't have the opportunity to play for as long at the level and as a career as Sammy had. But the way she's going, she will undeniably be remembered as Australia's best. Well, let's talk to the most capped soccerer. I want to get your opinion on something here, Schwartzy, because I think when people talk about Australia's best ever footballer or, or these type of questions, whether it is in the men's game, in the women's game, whatever it is, you've got to consider whether, I guess, what they've done in a green and gold jersey comes into it, right? Because for many, Harry Kuehl and I guess being the being the pin-up boy of Australian football, what he went on to do and playing Champions League finals and, and play for Leeds at that time and all that kind of stuff. But maybe in a green and gold jersey, his accolades compared to someone like yourself, like Timmy Cahill, like Mark Bresciano, probably wasn't as high. Is that the same conversation here with Sammy Kerr? Like, golden boots are awesome. Titles in England are awesome. But until it's done in the green and gold, she can't be branded the greatest? I think she still can be. Um okay. I think what people would say is that you just would wish that she'd possibly, you know, I'm not saying she's not, but if she, say, weren't to carry that form on with the, with the, the Matildas, you would have hoped and wished that she'd done that. But mm. there are, I think the problem we've got is that because she's so good, because she continuously breaks records, because she continuously wins all these accolades year after year, um, when, when she plays for the Matildas, the expectation is so high... Yeah. And if she doesn't get anywhere near that, the criticism flows. And then on top of that, you know, the the women's side at the moment are not playing the best football. You know, again, and and that's because I think also a product of the success that they've had over many years, and the way that the game has developed and evolved, the the attention the Matildas are receiving the expectation levels go up. So we automatically think that whenever the Matildas play, they should win and they should win yeah. well and perform well. And we had that with the Socceroos. So it's really hard to live up to those expectations. And that's what the girls are finding out now. They're finding out what it's like to have all the attention, but also then having to match that attention and the expectation on the football pitch. Mm-hmm. Quick word on Sam Kerr before we move on. I want to go to you, Tommy, because I want to talk about, uh, not, not not to compare players, but when I look at Sam Kerr and I think when I read a lot of, I'm interested to see what the criticism is. And when I read a lot of it, it is that she doesn't appear to be the most technical player. When you look at the three that are nominated for the Ballon d'Or and you look at the way Alexia Puteas plays, right? On the eye, you're looking at a player which dominates football, which drops in, which is constantly on the ball, twisting and turning. And Sam Kerr seems like a lot more of a finisher not that there's anything wrong with that but just not the most technical player I guess if you maybe chucked her in a small-sided possession it doesn't but then she pops up and scores goals like that and I wanted to ask you because I've heard similar stories of players that have played with Tim Cahill saying that you know when you're doing a small-sided drill at training or a little bit of Sheva doesn't appear to be the most gorgeous footballer with his feet but then if you look at his highlights rule the goals he scored no one else could score do you see a comparison there yeah I think so that there's a you know, obviously great timing. Uh, you know, you you know Sam Kerr in the air, Tim Cale in the air. Um, you know, same mentality as well. Um, yeah, I agree with you. You know, looking at Tim Cahill individually as a player, you know, he doesn't stand out like a Messi or, you know, a Salah. Um, but I think you don't necessarily have to be. I think, uh, you know, thankfully, there's room for, for all qualities. And it, at the end of the day, it's your production uh, to me. It, it's, it, it's what you get done on the pitch. You know the goals uh, you score, and, and you know there's no 
book that says this is the way to do it. Thankfully, you know, thankfully we we can do it in different ways. And and I, I, I love the, you know, just the the nature that Sam Kerr plays with. Um, you know, that sort of wild, a little bit untamed. You know, she she goes her own way. She doesn't conform to what everyone else does. Uh, and football needs that. You know, we need mm -hmm. those personalities similar to Tim, Tim Cahill. So I don't think we should judge, you know, players by, by that, those sort of standards that we expect from a Messi or, or mm -hmm. other players. But was Timmy Cahill getting paid to play five-a-side? Or was You're he right. getting paid to yeah. play futsal? Is Sam Kerr no, getting paid I, I, to play futsal? No, they're getting paid <laughs> to play an 11 upside yeah. park. They do the thing at the... Oh, I call it the, the hardest thing in the world is to put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. We've, I've, I've seen little showboaters and dribblers and that and they can run around and do little fancy tricks and they can't put the ball in the net. Sammy Kerr and Timmy Cahill had, have got this master stroke. Their traits are, I, I think, identical um, in what they are capable of doing. Uh, and that is putting the ball in the back of the net. And I played... Tommy, you know, in sports, he has probably conceded many goals from this man, Alan Shearer, another man that did what he was capable of doing inside the penalty area and outside he would shoot. He couldn't dribble past people. So, man, that's what they're paid to do. It's, it's bloody brilliant. Embrace it. Mm -hmm. The only thing I'd say is when you get talk about to you know you talk about the the accolades, the 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 creme de la creme, the top awards like the Ballon d'Or, for example, uh, Lewandowski was never going to really win it because. He, it's for the show board the goals. That's right. There's exactly no defenders right. in there, is there? Is there Swartzy? No. No, there's <laughs> no goalkeepers so, as well, is there? God forbid well, a goalkeeper. Really, no. no. So that's the thing. You know, you, you, you have to have the flair as well and the beauty and the, the purists want to see the, 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 the type of player that has all the skills, not necessarily what they produce on a match day. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, either way, take nothing away from it. What an achievement from Sam Kerr and Chelsea as a whole. They've been so dominant, very well drilled, very well coached. I think the next one for them, they'll have their eye on is European success, which have been so close to in recent years. Amy, let's move on to an FA Cup final because their season's not done. Tough for the players because you, you win something in that dramatic fashion. Surely you want to hit the town and not come home for a couple nights. But they've got an FA Cup final <laughs> to focus on against Manchester City. And there's some unfinished business, of course, Man City with Alana Kennedy, with Hayley Razzo, beat them in the League Cup earlier this season. How do you see this one playing out? I think uh, this will be super interesting and the best thing is is that we're going to have an Aussie winner either way and um, you know that gives us always cause to celebrate but yeah Chelsea has the chance to do the double. Uh, Alana Kennedy facing Sam Kerr uh, you would assume central defender and in the nine so that'll be a battle to look out for and they know each other so well played together as juniors have come through the ranks together played at the top level both together and against each other so that'll be a real intense battle to keep your eye on. As far as where this goes well wow who knows because I think like you said they're coming off the high of a win um, mm. I'm sure they won't have had too long to celebrate I can't imagine you know a little bit of freedom for maybe a night but then you know they'll be back into recovery and then back into preparation for that game but I think the biggest concern for Chelsea will be settling their nerves and not letting the occasion get the better of them because as we said in the, uh, the final game of the season we've, we've seen that creep in a couple of times now uh, at you know, the pointy end. Um, City has got some other defensively great players like Lucy Bronze as well. And they've got their own goal scorers too. Like they've got um, Hamp, Ellen White, Kadisha Shaw has come across there this year. She's um, quite unpredictable and, and creating chaos for some other defenders at the moment. So uh, where this goes, I don't know. I think if Chelsea can settle their nerves, they will get the job done and pick up the double. Uh, and then we'll be really celebrating. And let's just hope that some of that, you know, rawness of Sam Kerr is back out there and that you know the fight of the 
lion comes out and she can put another goal or two away. Yeah, well, Kadisha Shaw I saw score four last week, so there is a lot of threat there for Manchester City. It's going to be a great game considering that City did beat Chelsea in the League Cup earlier this season, and we spoke with Heather last week, and she was saying, you know, the way City have finished the season yeah. is just a promo in itself for next year's WSL because it looks like it's definitely a three-horse race now. It's not Chelsea and Arsenal anymore. City are well and truly up to that same standard, aren't they? They are, and you're right. They have come home the strongest probably of all the teams, I think, this season, and rightly so with a couple of big wins at the end of the year to put them into third position and obviously their Champions League spot. So that'll be an interesting journey to follow um, in the future as well. But uh, I think, you know, we're going to watch this this competition grow and grow and grow and we're going to see the likes of Liverpool enter a women's team this year as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, what will that do to the spread of players? Who will they be able to attract? Who's not on contract? They won't be getting Sam Kerr because, as I said, she's at Chelsea for another couple of years. <laughs> but, um, you know, they'll, they'll bring in their own players um, and hopefully some international talent to set it alight too. And I think the top half and the bottom half of this competition has been split a little bit and I'd like to see it a little bit closer. But to have the big name clubs with the investment Investment, hopefully investing in women's football the way that the top three certainly have this season. Uh, it can only get stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, it's good news for young players that want to go play over there as well. More yeah. clubs, more opportunity. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, last one before I let you go. Actually, I'm, I'm going to quick note on that one. You know, that is actually on Optus Sport. Not only are we the home of the WSL, yes. but Optus Sport is showing the FA Cup final and it's free as well. So you don't have to pay for it. So even if you're not an Optus Sport subscriber, it doesn't matter. You just got to make an account. Oh. You get the game for free. It's a massive As occasion. soon as you mentioned free there, Swartz, got very interested. You didn't yeah, I know. Saw him. He's writing it down <laughs> over there. Well, with his, with his well I'm actually, sport. now that you mention it, I'm actually going to be at the game. Hey. So I'll be working Whoa. there for Optus Sport. Okay. Sport. You're doing hey, that for yeah. free too, Swartzy. Uh, <laughs> Don't be <quite>. silly. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, last one before I let you go, Amy. We've got to talk about Joe Montemurro. That was the other big storyline. We knew it was coming. We knew Juve were probably going to win the league for their fifth straight time, but he did. He succeeded. He also won a league and cup double now in his first season, did quite well in the Champions League. This is a massive achievement. Uh, firstly, before we talk about other managers, what do you make of it? And did you expect him to have this impact in Europe? I think this is a real roll of the dice for him to take that job. And I think he's openly said that in an interview that he's not sure if he made the right decision. Let's just go back a little bit because his journey is a really interesting one. He was obviously a player, went through the NPL structure with uh, certain teams, came into the women's game with Melbourne Victory. Then when City entered the um, W League or, or A League Women's, as we now call it, he was their head coach and had, uh, they really set the bar, their side, you know, taking the championship, the premiership. Um, year after year and he really set them up for success into the future there then he went to Arsenal and took a couple of great Aussie players <laughs> with him um, <laughs> over there which is you know great for them too uh, did really well over there picked up some accolades and made the move to Italy and I think when he went to Italy people were like oh it was a bit left field perhaps for some to understand and going to Juve and you have to understand you've only entered the women's competition in 2017-2018 so they hadn't been there for a long time it's not an established necessarily league they're only turning professional next year now uh, off the back of you know some success that they've recently the national team has recently had Um, they've entered the fray again so again the growth in women's football is there and there was an opportunity but to walk into a club that's already won um, you know, back-to-back or, or a number of 
championships, that's a tough ask for any new coach to come in and, and maintain those standards. And I think he won 11 of his first 12 games there. So I think he, we knew he was going to go okay. But to take the championship, I say hats off to you, Joe. And, and personally, I think it comes down to um, his management style, his style of play and, his, and what we call man management. So player management is wonderful. Yeah, well, and a quick one on him because he's been so successful and it's it's great because it's come in the same year. Well, this title's come in the same year as Ange Postacoglu, hopefully sealing that one as well unless something terrible happens. Um, but Aussie managers going over to Europe and really bossing it. And do you think that there is potential for anyone else that's currently coaching here in the A-League women's doing well to, to also try their luck overboard? We see players leaving every few weeks, but what about managers? Is there anyone else that should consider making this move? And will Aussies be more respected now because of Joe? I think, you know, you have to have um, trailblazers in everything, don't you? And Ange has certainly done that. And when you get right to the top and, and you prove the way, it, it opens the door for everyone else to come through. I think if, like players, it's really important to have, uh, you know, a real spread of experiences. And if that means going overseas to coach, and that's something you aspire to do, then wonderful. We create some wonderful coaches here in Australia with this mishmash of um, different styles because we're exposed uh, to so many different types of football and you know that Australian type of football is its own brand and to be able to take that overseas would be fantastic so yes I think Joe has opened the door for other Aussies to go over there I did hear you guys compare him to Ange Postacoglu uh, in a recent podcast and I was thinking about that and I thought the only thing he's missing at the moment is a run with one of our national teams so whether he comes in you know eventually maybe he doesn't aspire to do that maybe he does but um, coming in at some stage in our national team structure to to have that, you know, tournament football and championship football are very, very different um, ways of approaching football. And I think it would be cool to for him to open his book a little bit further and have a look at some elite national team um, experience. Whether it be we, with we, us or someone else, I would probably prefer it to be with Australia. But Well, you know, know the experience know. that David Drillich is getting at the moment with yeah. Genoa in Serie A trying to get survival, beating Juve 2-1 last week. He's loving life. And then, obviously, you talk about Emma Hayes at Chelsea. Her um, sidekick is Tanya Oxbury, um, who I did the air licence with. So, you know, Tanya took a massive gamble going over there and she's doing wonderful things now. Yeah, and was coaching it. And obviously, it's a wonderful story, her and Sam Kerr as well, because they're, you know, both Perth girls. And actually, I think when Sam made her debut, Tanya might have been the captain of the Perth side. So, you know, to see them back together and with a, with a uh, trophy in hand yesterday was just delightful. We're taking over. It's good news. It's great to see Amy Duggan. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gagan Pod this morning. We look forward to having you on again soon. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And gentlemen, we're going to flick our attention over to the Premier League. What a weekend it was. Liverpool dropping points in the title race. The top four race still is exactly the same as it was last week. I can't split it. And we have a North London derby coming up. Relegation battles taking yet another turn. Squeaky bum time for Michael Bridges and Leeds United. But uh, let's now, let's let's talk about the awards are coming up. So before, before I get to this weekend, the awards are coming up. And the guys at Optus were thinking, you know, players of the year, managers of the year, they usually hand it out just before the end of the season, which I've always 
always found strange in itself. But regardless, because something big can happen in the last week of the season. But coming to you guys, PFA Player of the Year, Tommy Sorensen, who is it? Ah, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's tough. I, I still think... Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, Salah, I think, has been outstanding uh, again this season. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Kevin De Bruyne, but I think you know, there's been a, f- a few injuries. I think he's come good sort of late. Um, but yeah, uh, I think for me... Yeah, I think it has to be Salah, I think, um, you know, for what he's done for, for Liverpool and the the importance he has for them, um, the goals he scored. Um, I, I think, um, I don't think there's anyone around uh, that can really match that. It doesn't have to be PFA Player of the Year. It can be whoever you think, you know, because sometimes the awards, they're a little bit one-sided. As we say, goalkeepers don't get a mention, centre-backs don't get a mention. So it can be whoever you want. Marky Schwarzer, who would you like to see given an award because they deserve it? The Mark Schwarzer Player of the Season in the Premier League. <laughs> it's, look, I mean, who would I like to give it to? Oh, gosh. I, I think I think uh, Thomas is right there. I think Mo Salah's been exceptional. Um it's hard to look beyond him, you know. Who, who from you know? You look at the two top teams, and who has been the standout player through pretty much the whole of the season? I think Mo Salah is the obvious choice. Mm. So I'm going to go with Tommy there, mate, and say the same thing. Well, well, well. Two goalkeepers going for strikers, and you've got a striker here going for a defender. Wow. Yeah, I've you know what it is. I, I looked at I looked at the Man City defender uh, Diaz, and and then I looked at Van Dijk and Liverpool with Van Dijk. I just love what he is all about. Every game looks effortless for him, and um, whether he's on the ball, off the ball, he he, he just. He's probably the best defender I think I've ever witnessed. Uh, I haven't played against him, but since Maldini, the way he makes it look so easy. Um, so for me, uh, I'm going Van Dijk. Wow. That will be massive because we've seen defenders starting to get a little bit more recognition, right? But uh, Ruben Diaz—they're still, they're still okay. in all four comps as well. Do you know what I mean? Like he's—he's been catalyst behind it. He stayed injury free, and to get back from his his injury ACL that he picked up against Everton, mm. to see the standards that he's made, managed to get himself back to and beyond is is absolutely incredible. It's an interesting award because it's like, as we say, you know, people are already voting for it and it goes out towards the end of the season, but this season looks like it's going to go down to the final day and I feel like title winning will depend very much on who you give this award to. Quick one though, Schwartzy, Aaron Ramsdale, good shout for goalkeeper of the year? Um, look, I think most improved, probably under the radar, who would have thought he would have performed and done as well as he had? Definitely award. Um Look, he's been right up there. He's definitely mm. been up there with one of the, I think, the top two, three goalkeepers in in the league. Right. Again, though, it's difficult to look beyond the likes of Allison or Edison. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a toss up between the two of them. Probably Allison for me. Mm. Um, but I think uh, Aaron Ramsdale's done incredibly well. And and I and I said it right at the beginning. I wasn't sure about whether he was the right the right signing certainly not for 30 million yeah. I didn't yeah. see him he surprised well everybody didn't he yeah, yeah. Did, did, did you tell him that Schwartzy when you when you sat down with him um, did I say to him that I didn't think he was good enough and that he was overpaid no, no. <laughs> I'm pleased you didn't say that before you interviewed him maybe you could yeah, have said it afterwards a, just, just on no. the top of this interview I'm just going to lay it down uh. yeah you surprised yeah. everybody including myself I, I think I think he got the general gist that everyone thought that and he went out there and proved everyone wrong let's be honest with it that way I didn't yeah, have to say anything quality but we, we must say though for, for Ramsdale for just pure entertainment value he has to be he has to to get the award for, for you know just how he's riled up fans and some of the saves he's yeah. made 
you know, I think he's that makes him guy. even more likable, Thomas, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, real, sure. he's, he's real. Have you seen the ad that he's done with uh, with Arsenal at the fish and chip shop? Yeah, yeah brilliant. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> magnificent. So anything you know, to do with fish and chips and football, I'm involved. <laughs> Well, that's obvious, um, but you know what? <laughs> he's uh, he's yeah, he's always up for everything. He's he's a he's a confident young man, um, and he's he seems to have you know his feet on the ground. And from my understanding, speaking to people at Arsenal, he's very much a big part and a big character within that change room, and uh, everybody loves him there. Yeah. Well, he's got a massive game coming up this weekend, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Could be huge for the top four race. And it's, even if you take away the top four race, it's always a big game between Arsenal and Tottenham. But the reason I brought that one up, Schwartz, is because that feature actually drops today on Optus Sport. So it's Mark Schwartz catching up with Aaron Ramsdale, who's had a fantastic season, and Ben Foster, who might not have had the best season, but he's, he seems like a fantastic character as well. And I actually heard some feedback from some of the guys at Optus that watched it, Schwartz. It sounded like three keepers sitting and chatting football. Bridgie, it sounds like a snooze fest but apparently it's actually quite a good watch i will be it watching was, this one because they're all three good lads there you go ben foster <laughs> is a cracking cracking guy it was good fun it really was um and the interesting thing about it was that obviously let's not forget two goalkeepers from two different teams they live next door to each other in the training grounds and they were playing each other that weekend when do you ever get a chance to have two players from two different teams sitting in the same interview room. It just doesn't happen. So it was really good fun, and the guys got on really well, and they know each other. And, yeah, just watch it, and you'll see how natural they are and how good good guys they are. Yeah. yeah. And Ben Foster's mm. just made for the camera, isn't he, or the microphone, because he's got a lot of content that he makes himself. He's just so good, so, so good. He's definitely got a career after football in that. Um, let's talk managers, because this is an interesting one, right? We've seen around Europe, they've taken a different approach. I want to talk manager of the season. It's easy for you to stand here and say Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. But we've seen now, around Europe, a lot of the leagues are taking a different approach. The recent one was in Liga. Pochettino wins the league, 15 points clear of second place Marseille, and he's left out of the nominees of manager of the season in France. He's not even being considered. Instead, you got managers in the bottom half of the table being considered because they took a team out of relegation and whatnot. So let's look at this award a little bit differently now. The times are changing a little bit. Michael Bridges, who's your manager of the season in England? Manager of the season. I'm going to throw a few names in the hat. Steve Koppel. Uh, sorry, Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Steve Cooper took over from Forest in the relegation and now he's got, you know, they're having a right good go in the playoffs. That's an incredible one. Ancelotti at Real Madrid. Since what he has done, unbelievable. No, you're not having that well, one. Yeah, no, no. I was going. Why, you, why are you laughing? I was, I was going for, for, for Premier League, but that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just showing you. You were talking about Pochettino, so I'm throwing a few in from around the world. He's going and then I'm coming back the to the Premier League, and you can talk about Jurgen Klopp. You can talk about Pep Guardiola. Eddie Howe, what he has done at Newcastle United since taking charge is absolutely oh, come on, incredible. Do me a favor. Eddie Howe, oh, manager of the season. Oh, really? Oh, manager of the yes. season? So full yep. of it. Oh. Wow. Manager how of half the look, season. How can you look beyond David Moyes um, or Mikel Arteta for that matter? I mean, look. Well, Mikel Arteta is manager of Arsenal, so I'm not going to go for that one. No, and no, no. But, no but hang on. Forget about that. Think about what he's done. I, I think the, the, the run that they've been on when they've lost their first three games of the season, they looked like he was going to get the sack. They were all over the place and now they, they're, they're in the box seat to finish fourth, which I know if, you know people in, in the years gone by, Arsenal, that was a dead cert. They were going to finish in the top four, but that's obviously been uh, a long time between drinks. And then David Moyes has been absolutely sensational. Um, and, Football's and about opinions. And, and, and he strikes a great Howe. volley as well, as we know. Tommy? <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm going to be a bit biased here, so I have to throw a name in. I think Thomas Frank uh, has done extremely well at, at Brentford, um, and and he overcame a, a bit of a stumble in the middle of the season. I know he was very instrumental in getting Ericsson, you know, and taking in reality a little bit of a punt on, on him, getting him back uh, into playing, um, and and the way they finished the season, I think has been unbelievable. And and I know the way he managed. I just love the way he. You know he attracts uh, a certain mentality at the club and and has his standards and 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 are not gonna sort of go away from that. So so I think for for the whole package, if we are gonna talk away from club and um, and Guardiola, um, I think he's a name. And then I agree with Schwartz. I think Arteta. We got to give him some credit for for where he started to where he where he is now. <laughs> not Eddie Howe. Uh, when not, can we get a striker? Not when Eddie Howe. a striker on here. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear what the fans say. If I put those three up there, I go Eddie Howe, Mikel Arteta, and Thomas Frank. I'd like to see what Optus Sport fans yeah, have check that off about that one. Um, but when you talk about the top two, right? We talk about those two managers, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. It'll very much depend on who wins the league. You'd think, right? If Liverpool win the league and Jurgen Klopp wins Manager of the Season, I guess you wouldn't have any complaints with that. What if Pep Guardiola wins Manager of the Season? Is it for some reason different? The I guess the way Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp are received here in or over over in the UK in the media, Schwartzy, is it a little bit different? And do you think Pep Guardiola, if he edges out Liverpool, deserves Manager of the Season? Does um, look if you win the Premier League, I think you always got to be in contention to winning Manager of the Season. I mean, the, the flip side is a lot of people would say, of course, you know, they've got a phenomenal side, they've spent fortunes over the years uh, and everything else, and they should be there or thereabouts which is correct, but he's also got to manage them. He's also got to put the tactics up, and he does that very, very well. Right. Um, look, he's a phenomenal manager, um, but like I said, I don't think he's done enough, and we're talking about the bar being incredibly high, even mm. if he wins the Premier League, for him to win manager of the season. I mean, I agree with Thomas. I think Thomas, I think Thomas Frank has done an incredible job as well. So there's a number of managers there that – not necessarily win anything this season, but could well be in contention of winning the manager of the would, season. Would you go as far as say, Sporty? Obviously, you're in England and you're, you're here and on the ground a lot more than we are. I get this vibe over here uh, in reading and seeing things that the English media really, really like Klopp as opposed to Pep. Is that is that is, would that be fair to say or not? Is he have just, they embraced him more? Um, yeah, look, uh, just in and around the media circle on match days. Um, Certainly, Jurgen Klopp is certainly a lot more charismatic. He, he's somebody that will often, you know, speak straight from the heart. He could be heated. I mean, like like on the weekend. Look, I, I don't agree with what he said on the weekend about content about the way Spurs play because, look, th- there's not a certain way that you have to play football. That, that's just ridiculous, right? However, he's very charismatic. He's very upfront. He will give you his opinion. And uh, obviously they play some phenomenal football and what he's done at Liverpool has been incredible. Um, so I think the, the media has definitely taken to him a lot more and because yeah. he's more open and he's more willing to speak to everyone. There was a period of time when Pep Guardiola first took over at Manchester City for two seasons, he would not speak to any other media other than the main guys and then one of his Spanish medias. And then, the, then, then, then from the Premier League, he, he got told he had to start speaking to other medias around the world. So there was already a sense of... Arrogance about big, it. Yeah, too big yeah. to talk to anyone else other than the match day main uh, media guys. And that was something I think put a lot of people's noses out of joint. Yeah. Also... Christ, I hope your nose wasn't put out of joint. It would have been better <laughs> yeah. four foot. 
Well, you know what it's like, don't you? So the, the problem is, I think, with Pep is that more often than not, he, he, doesn't, take, he doesn't take anyone questioning him, his mm. decision-making, his tactics or anything like that. And, and, I think, and, and I think at times it hasn't been over the top. It's been genuinely right questions to us. The example is the Champions League final. And then he, and then afterwards, sarcastically coming out him saying that you know about yeah. that and about how he makes changes and overthinks things he and overthinks. so forth. So I think there's yeah. a reason for it, you know. Yeah, there's a genuine reason for it. Well, during this week, he spoke about the Champions League again. Of course, they're asking him that, and he actually had a little bit of a stab at Liverpool and their record in the Premier League with only one in 30 years, and saying that they're good in Europe but they're not very good here. He also spoke about the Champions League and did say maybe I'm not good enough. He said this club needs to win the Champions League, but maybe I'm not good enough and I'm not the man to bring it here. Sounds a little bit defeated, as you said. You never know with Pep Guardiola where that sarcasm is going, Tommy. Has he overstayed at this club? It's ridiculous to say because he's almost about to win the Premier League again, but it feels like anything he does isn't good enough because he's not delivering the Champions League. Do you think he's overstayed at this point? You know, I don't think we can criticise him uh, for anything he's done this season. You know, obviously, you know, previous years he's been sort of duped a little bit into overthinking. But I think, you know, you're looking at that Real Madrid game. You get to a point where the players have to do it on the pitch. You know, you can put up whatever tactics you want. They had like Grealish. He's pay, he was they paid a hundred million for him. He had two chances at one nil where he could have finished that game off. Uh, you know, so and the way they crumbled, you know, you can't do anything as a manager. They, the players have to stand up. So has he overstayed? Um, you know, I, I still, you know, I, I still see he has a future there. Uh, and and there's new challenges with Haaland. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. You know how he incorporates them, and I think he's the right man. You know, I don't, you know, who do you go out and get? You know, that's the question. Also, yeah, you can get rid of him, yeah. but who's the alternative? You can see Man United are struggling to find someone. Yeah, so I, I, you know, keep what you've got. You know, if it's successful, stay with it. Yeah, yeah. And on that point that Schwartzy said about Klopp and about what he said after the game, uh, talking to Antonio Conte. Bridgie, as a bit of a Spurs fan yourself, how did you feel about that? Because it seemed a little bit salty. Spurs went, they set up, they had a game plan and it worked. They almost won the game. They took a point. Do you get a bit fed up? You know, you guys have played, you guys have played for great teams, but you've also played for those teams that are battling around the other end of the table and you do have to visit a team at the top and you're not going to go out there and try and play this fluid football through them, like pretending you're something else. Does it, does it kind of get to you when managers are criticizing or when, or when they are criticized Sean Dyche style for just having a system? Conte must have been absolutely delighted when he saw that interview going, yeah, we've got any staff just laughing, going, well, there you go, we, we frustrated and we, we got a result. Teams like, I'll go to Bielsa and Leeds United, they've, they've proven that if you try and go toe-to-toe with the best, mm. you're going to get found out and you're going to get exposed. So you've got to come up with, you know, Conte doesn't play like that every single week. Mm. He had to play like that against Liverpool. He might play against the the bigger teams that they feel they can't break them down as much. And it's counter-attacking football. They tried it against Liverpool to beat the the wing-backs, like you were saying. That's where the goal came from. Robertson and Alexander, uh, Trent Alex high up the field. Mm -hmm. Son exposed them down one side. And, you know, it was, uh, sorry, Sessegnon. And it was was finished off. They capitalised on it. So for me, that is the joy of of an adaptable manager. You don't have to play the same system every week. You don't have to play the same style. You've got to, you know, you've got to challenge yourself. And if you, like Pep Guardiola and Klopp, I would say are probably the best I've seen at 
constantly just producing, along with Ange Postacoglu as well, by the way, because he sticks mm. by his vision and philosophy. He lets other teams worry about him, mm. whereas Conte and other managers haven't got that luxury. Simeone doesn't do it, so they've got to come up with other ways. And their philosophy sometimes frustrates teams, and that's what it's about. It, it, you've got to make sure that the players buy into it, and that is the hardest thing about it. Um, and having played for a manager like... Peter Reid, uh, like Thomas will tell you in the championship, he played, let us play with the freedom. We had a system and he let us go and express ourselves, but we listened to him and Bobby Saxton. But it wasn't a defensive unit. We were very, very adaptable. We had a, a little and large system. I uh, went and played with David O'Leary. That was a freedom to final third, go and do what the hell you want, boys. You know, there was no, that, you know, when I look back, not a lot of tactics in that team. We were just athletes. And then I played under Sam Allardyce and that was completely the opposite. We had a game plan, which was very defensive, set plays, get the ball to JJ Kocher or Kevin Davies and we play off that. It, but it was structured and there's nothing wrong with that because yeah. it was successful at times. Well, yeah, it's finished what? You finished a sixth in the Premier League or something? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, there's there's ways and means and when Klopp, Klopp, he had sour grapes, he was gutted that he couldn't break a team down like Tottenham mm. and Conte and Conte, Conte won the battle. Oh, by the way, how good was JJ Okocha? Oh, G- mate. Jesus, oh, Swartie. Phenomenal. Mate, the stuff he would do in training, you'd look, I've, I've, you'd have played with some players that do things in training but they'll never try it on the field. This guy was just ridiculous. And what I respect is everybody says Sam was like a boring manager and, you know, he's tactics. He used to say to JJ, please do this on the field. He, he would let him embrace himself. Um, and, oh, and a great guy as well, by the way, on and off the field. You know, if we're talking about anti-football, I was probably part of the, the golden era of anti-football uh, when I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've, I've never been so hated in my life. But you know what? We stuck together. It was funny, like, a, a friend sent me a... Uh, because obviously there's talk now about, uh, you know, cutting games down to 60 minutes and, and uh, stopping the clock whenever the ball goes mm-hmm. out of play. Um, he sent me a statistics of, of the games in Premier League history that had, you know, the, game, uh, the ball in play the fewest minutes and Stoke would have been three. top I was part of three of those top four <laughs> games <laughs> there you go 30 he's had a game nine, Tommy how did go on 39, mi- 39 minutes and one second against Blackburn we won 3-0 you know, so we didn't uh, have to wow. play for 90 minutes but uh, <laughs> how many throw-ins it's, it's not it's, oh a lot and it's not I don't know it's not a lot of value for money for the fans I must say so my question to you then, right? You you played in some exciting teams and you played in that era under Pulis. How did you lads buy into that then? How did he, did you enjoy it? And how did you buy into oh, it? What was his... And we loved it. No, no, we loved yeah. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, again, it, it, it was just great to be, it was us against the world mentality. You know, uh, you know, we, we were laughing that we were last on match of the day every week. Uh, you know, every time the pundits were trying to, you know, to, to get a dig. <laughs> So, you know, but, you know, it, I think it was, it, you know, I think we've all played in teams where we've been up against it and, and it, it sort of, it just gets, gels people uh, and we had the right kind of characters. We had people that were, loved rolling up their sleeves, uh, loved getting into a battle, loved getting into a fight. So it, it suited us well. Yeah, the the the, uh, the match of the day guys were hoping that they could overrun all the other games, so they could not have time to play the Stoke game. <laughs> wow, unbelievable! Yeah, you got to have a game plan. Credit to you for sticking with it, you know. And and you talk about Schwartz, what you said before about the Ballon d'Or. It's kind of like those prettier players are considered more for those awards. Maybe it's the same with management. Maybe that's why Ange Postecoglou has made so much noise because it is a prettier style of management. 
But, you know, when you look at bank accounts, the highest paid manager in the world is Diego Simeone and he sticks to his style, doesn't he? Yeah, correct. You, you know, you're going back to that one with Conte. You said Klopp had a little go as well. Gary Neville also had a go at him, the yeah. pundit from Sky Sports. And it cracked me up because I love listening to him as a pundit. But, you know, Conte must just think and, and look back and go, you had a good spell at Valencia, didn't you? You know, like, you know, <laughs> Gary Neville's had a go at it. And he, he if he'd have gone with a Conte style or maybe a Tony Pulis style, he wouldn't have caught five and six, seven goals when he was trying to have a crack at management. So you've got to be very careful what you yeah. what you say. He also did say that United shouldn't consider Antonio Conte because of his defensive style. And I said, I don't know if Antonio Conte would consider Man United right now. But Yes, exactly. Anyway. He's at a bigger club anyway. <laughs> you know what I reckon? It's an interesting uh, question right now is, uh, Jamie Redknapp actually said that it was a no-brainer that Manchester City should go and get Paul Pogba. Yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, uh, the way I see it... It's it's a is it a double bluff because if they would Man United now have to give him a new five year deal <laughs> because what happened with Ronaldo when Man City said oh we'll get Ronaldo and new Man United were like no we'll have him um, I would love to see Pogba go to Man City because I think he would be absolutely fantastic sportsy I've got to say it wow I don't I think it'd be disaster nah, nah nah I don't think so yeah I do think you two yeah. just message each other and say everything Bridgie says let's go against them yeah. <laughs> you're the horses nah, brilliant much. minds think alike Bridgie brilliant <laughs> minds think alike uh, classic well, what you, what's your take on that Claude I agree with you I think that he would actually play well there I, do, I don't think he'll go there though I think he'll leave the Premier League altogether but if he went yeah. to City I think, I think he would suit it I definitely do what, think so what, what does he do what does he do what part of his game is so what, what, why do you think he's so good what has he done to show you other than when he's in France I love watching you know, him play for France because I think he controls games in midfields he can, he can open up a can of worms I just don't Jesus. think he's. I don't think controls he's loved games. Yeah, he, I he must does. Be, I must be watching the wrong games. He doesn't control Man United games. When you when you look at him in his time at Juventus, right? Juventus were very dominant in Italy at the time, so they had a lot of possession. They were on top of teams, and he would just sit in this pocket between midfield and attack. He'd play a lot more advanced, and he would just pop up and shoot. And he was known for every time he get the ball anywhere near the box, the whole crowd would yell to shoot, and he scored incredible goals from outside the box. And when I look at City and the fact that they. You know, Rodri's done it this season, but City have that way of playing where they like sometimes suffocate you on the edge of your box. And I feel like Pogba would pop up so often around the box and just get it and shoot with that City team. And it's a whole different system, obviously. You go to City, you're going to have the ball all game. You're going to be in their half all game. And that allows for yeah. moments of brilliance from Pogba. Yeah. Whereas he's I think that'll suit him. Yeah. yeah, he's pegged back. He's defensively, and that's his worst part of his game. Yeah, but he won't go there. Uh, I, I reckon he'll go there and he'll start dyeing his hair red. <laughs> you're sounding like Roy Keane out here you're, just- you're getting old and miserable you god <laughs> brilliant uh, there are a lot of talking points actually in, in the world of football let's talk about this. there's rumours that he might go to Real Madrid there's also rumours he might go to PSG uh, two pretty suitable clubs you'd think but Real Madrid they won the league they threw to the Champions League final they took on Atletico on the weekend and you know how Diego Simeone is it was a big game for Atleti not only because it's a derby but also because they needed a win to get pretty much secure the top four they're supposed to do a guard of honour, and they didn't do it, right? They, they they decided last minute against it. They broke the tradition and didn't do it. What do you think about that? Do you think a club – have you ever had to give a guard of honour? And do you think it's a bit outdated in football? And when it comes to a derby, you shouldn't have to, or the rules are the rules. It's it's sportsmanship. What do you make of that, Tommy? I I, I think there's tradition in football that, uh, you know, it's just respect. I think the, the champions deserve respect, uh, no matter if they're your cross-town rivals. So I think it's 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 a great gesture, but you know, uh, you know, from where Simone is 
right at this time you know he probably said you know i need to throw uh, a little bit of dirt in there you know into their courtyard with the way they're going so um you know it, it's just to, to rile people up i think uh, and and also to send a signal to his own players so he, he's done it deliberately i don't think he sort of looked at a bigger picture and he's done it for himself for the team uh is it the right thing i don't i don't agree with it i think uh no matter where it is i think you, you should show respect i think it's, it's just uh, a nice nice thing and nice tradition in football well you know you talk about traditions and it's like how dare you skip the the guard of honor well in the same game in la liga i don't know if you guys can see this but darth vader brought the ball out in the same game and uh started the kickoff darth vader with two stormtroopers to promote the new star wars movie or franchise whatever it was so you talk about traditions in football i think we can skip a guard of honor if you've got darth vader bringing the ball out onto the pitch um you would have loved that one bridgie I'm a Star Wars fan, mate. I'm a fanatic. That was a great moment. That was probably the best moment of the game, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a terrible match. It was a terrible game. Atleti winning in Atleti fashion, 1-0. Uh, yeah. um, but let's talk a little bit back to the Premier League. Let's talk about the relegation battle real quick. Bridgie leads are well and truly in that now. Yeah. So are Everton. They're not safe, but they do have a game in hand, and their run home looks a little better, you could say. Burnley well and truly in there as well. But Leeds yeah. play Chelsea midweek. What do you make of their chances of survival? Are they the favourites to go down now? Um, yes, they are. Because Chelsea, um, you've said the game there, uh, Thomas talked about Brentford. They're ending the season very, very well. They have definitely not gone on their holders yet. And Brighton, after a 4-0 win over Manchester United, mm. um, Potter will not have them switching off. So a very, very tough running. The goal difference for Leeds United is absolutely terrible because of, obviously, the amount they conceded under Bielsa. Yeah. Jesse Marsh has definitely steadied the ship, but injuries again. Uh, Dallas is the latest victim with an innocuous challenge by Grealish. Um, was you know he he was instantly in pain. I was at the game, but the fans are still you know the the crowd were incredible against Manchester City. They sang from the start till the finish, even when they were four down. And I don't think the game was a four nil. Reflected well on the game. Leeds had their chances. The difference is Man City are clinical. Mm. Leeds United were you know they, they weren't. And you can't do that if you want to be top of the league or you want to survive. So this running is horrendous. Uh, I think Everton are safe and it's between Leeds and Burnley. And I really fear um, for Leeds because of that goal difference. That is the big one that stands out and worries me. Quick note for you guys. Schwartzy, you look at the table, right? Leeds 34, Burnley 34, Everton 35, right? And the, the oldest phrase is 40 points saves you, usually in European competitions. But Southampton, they're on 40 points. They've played 36, so they've only got two games to go, less than all the other teams. One of those games is Liverpool. That's going to be a tough one, clearly, this weekend. Then they finish with Leicester away at the King Power Stadium. Are Southampton 100% safe? Um, no, you're never 100% safe until you're mathematically safe, right? But I, I think 40 points is still enough for them. I, okay. I think they will be fine. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see them being sucked into it. Just because I don't think I, I just think that the teams below them are not going to get up get enough results mm. to to actually cause them any problems. How long's he been there now as manager, Hassan Hull? It's been a while, and it's the first time because it's uh, very. I, I kind of think it's time for him to go. Well, it's the first time I can remember any of the Southampton fans were actually singing about him getting sacked in the. Morning. Oh, were they? Right. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. After the so match. it wasn't great. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's getting real close to the bottom. Tommy Sorensen, if you had to pick it right now out of those four teams, let's include Southampton, even though Schwartz is right. They do look like they just probably need a point here to be safe. But let's include them. Who's going down? 
I, I think Burnley will. Um, you know, they've got Tottenham uh, away, uh, Aston Villa away, and then the big game against Newcastle. Um, I think just for the, for the, you know, maybe I'm, a, again, back to my romantic ways. I, I think I would love to see Leeds stay in, in the Premier League, uh, just so we can have a happy Michael Bridges on this podcast. Tommy, but, from uh, every also, Leeds fan, I want to say, we <laughs> love you, we love you, we love you, Tommy, we do. Uh, uh, but also the the running, I, I I can see Leeds, uh, you know, picking up and Burnley. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, uh, I see them struggle. I think Leeds the the home games. Chelsea having the FA Cup final at the weekend. They're they're going to rest a few players, so um, they, they'll have mm. to step up. But I think they'll get a, a result or two coming into the end. Yeah, definitely think that they've got a good chance there against Chelsea with the with their form that they've been in. And as you said, they've got one eye on that FA Cup final. Let's look up. Let's look ahead to everything that's coming up this weekend in the world of football. We'll start with that FA Cup final. Schwartz, Chelsea take on Liverpool at Wembley. Does this game mean a little bit more for Chelsea and Tommy Tuchel, who are at risk of having a trophyless season here? Uh, I think, does it mean more? I mean, look, I think for both teams, it's, it's huge. Uh, mm. For Liverpool to, to win a trophy, it's the FA Cup final. Absolutely. It, it's enormous for them to win it. And likewise for, for Chelsea. Chelsea... I think going to the game certainly is underdogs. Liverpool, for me, are favourites to win it. The form speaks for itself. Obviously, Liverpool dropped points in the weekend. However, Chelsea have been really inconsistent and they need something. Mm. But I can see them ending up with nothing this season. Does does the takeover, Swartz, the takeover talks put the players in a better mind mentally going into this one now? Because I think that ever since that has been brought to the, the forefront, they've really struggled mentally, mate, with, because of what's been going on around the club. Yeah, they they dealt with it okay for the first couple of weeks and then all of a sudden it started to nosedive. And I think yeah. the more it talked about players not signing, moving on, um, out of contract at the end of the season, the worse it's gotten for, for Chelsea. Um, and I think it may it may change now that they've said that yeah. the deal is pretty much done. But I think it won't I think that it'll take more of effect once they start to see it. Once they start to see players Resigning new contracts, whatever it is, um, until that point, I, I don't know. It just seems like a very unhappy camp at the yeah. moment. LA Dodgers, USA. They're going to go for a <laughs> preseason trip like Tommy Sorensen did when you were at Villa. I'm sure they're going to go and, and educate the Chelsea players on baseball now. And then, and I guess that maybe they'll adopt the Moneyball technique. Um, <laughs> we love it. We love the Americans. They, 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 do, they do make me laugh. What about up front, Michael Bridges? We talk about the striker situation because Tommy Tuchel's really rotated that in recent weeks. Lukaku came into good effect. Havertz was rested on that day. Who would you start against Liverpool in the cup final? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Havertz. I, I like what he's all about. He's running um, the week and he drifts into space. He, he, you know, he, he can do quite a lot, but he hasn't got the strength of Lukaku. Mm. So I, I think we're probably going to see Lukaku because he's coming off the back of a couple of goals. It was good to see him do that. Um, and Havertz, I wouldn't mind seeing them two have that little bit of a, a you know, leading the line. I like what Werner's about, his, his energy levels, his enthusiasm, but he's just you can just see he's so frustrated. And I think he frustrates a lot of his own players and, and his own um, Blumen fans, to be fair. The amount of chances he squandered, it just does not happen for him. Um, so yeah, I can see him going with that. And that's a luxury these two managers have at the moment, the, the amount of attacking players they have at their disposal, mm. Liverpool and Chelsea. Whenever they've rotated, Liverpool, everybody's produced. Yeah. And not not so much of a luxury for, for Chelsea. They haven't been producing, but of late, they're coming back into it. 
Well, it's an interesting finishing, uh, interesting finish for the season for them. They're only one point above Arsenal, which is crazy. They're five points above Tottenham, but a disaster could happen if they don't get their act together, which makes this Leeds midweek game all the more interesting. That's on Optus Sport. We've got football Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, and right through the weekend. Uh, but there's also championship playoffs, something that, you know, the championship, when you guys won it, you didn't have to worry about playoffs, but most teams do have to go that way. Tommy Sorensen, we've got Luton would you believe it, with a £1.5 million squad. That is the cost of their entire <laughs> squad. Luton, okay. Huddersfield, Sheffield United and Forest. Who would you like to see up in the Premier League next season? You know, I think Bridget touched on it earlier. I think Nottingham Forest, um, you know, the season they've had, the traditions, um, would love to see them up. Uh, what a great story they've been. Uh, and then Luton. I think <laughs> Luton is a, it's a, you know, the, the, where they've come from, you know, how they've sort of come up through the leagues. Uh, the story there, as you said, uh, low budget, uh, great management. Um, so either of them, but uh, I'll probably prefer Nottingham Forest. I think they, they will be great and they, they can handle it in the Premier League, I think, with the owners as well. It's, yeah. inc- it's incredible to think that the West Wing of Mark Swartz's house is worth more than the actual budget <laughs> at Luton Town. It's, you know, that, it's absolutely frightening <laughs> to think. Um, like Tommy's in there, Huddersfield are there, Sheffield United, uh, my mate Paul Heckenbottom, I played with him at Sunderland. Heck, he didn't have a good spell at Leeds as manager. He's at Sheffield United. I'm wishing him well. As much as I don't want to see Sheffield United come up and Leeds go down the opposite way, that would be, that wouldn't be pretty. So I'm I'm for the one of the winners of the Sheffield United um, or the Nottingham Forest match to come up one of them too. I'll be very happy. We've seen Huddersfield, not a big fan of them, and Luton. I just don't think they're going to add anything. Wow. Brilliant. Well, I mean, you never know. This is what it's all about. It's this time playoffs. It's always so much fun to watch. And that's all the way down to League Two. It's great to see who's moving up and down the football pyramid. Scunthorpe are out of the Football League for the first time in a long time. Unfortunately, they're back down to conference football. Schwartzy, let's not talk about this chase of football. Let's talk about some Bundesliga, shall we? And uh, the battle for the top four. You've been practicing that for a while, haven't you? Oh, German accent. My God. Uh, (laughs) RB Leipzig take on Freiburg. Uh, Well, they're they're not playing each other, but they're going head-to-head for that last spot. And then they are playing each other in the cup final. Who do you think will grab the top four and who do you think will win the cup? Oh, gosh. You know what? You know, a couple of... of, uh, Probably two weeks ago, I would have said RB Leipzig all day long. Mm. Um, But the, the, the Europa League exit was was really surprising for me because I, I couldn't believe it. You know, look, take nothing away from Glasgow Rangers. Amazing for them to make the final. But yeah. I just thought Leipzig would be too good. Their yeah. run of form was really good, but they were they were very poor. Um, and, they, and they've struggled. Um, how they pick themselves up again? That's the question. Uh, look, I, I, RB Leipzig should finish in that fourth position. Mm. But Freiburg have got an unbelievable manager, a squad of players that fight and scrap. So, yeah, it's going to be really tight. And I think it's a flip of a coin who's going to, who's going to finish in that full spot. Yeah, and the cup final will be a great way to end it all. Two teams that have gone head-to-head head all season. What, what's, what's the reaction to Schalke coming back up to the Bundesliga? Um, huge, really. I, I think for a lot of people, it's thank goodness they're back up again. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised they're able to turn it around because of the, the, just the turmoil they were in from when they got relegated financial position they're in the way the club was being run horrendous so it's great to see them come back up look let's not forget there's another club in that in that uh, second Bundesliga who are on the brink potentially of also being promoted uh, is Hamburg mm. who who have also 
they've spent what five six seasons in the, in in the Twitter Bundesliga. So yeah. the thing about it is, it's so difficult to get out of it. Yeah. Um, and then Werder Bremen's on the on the cusp of it's getting promoted. So Hamburg will sides. probably end up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, no, the the, the Bundesliga is unbelievable. The last yeah. couple of rounds of the season yeah. is brilliant to watch. Yeah. And what what's happened to Jackson Irvine and Sam Pauli? They they've completely bottled it, haven't they? Look. They, they, play, were, they play yeah, Schalke. They play Schalke. This they did. They lost. Four, they lost three um, two. They were up two 0 I think it was. Yeah. And they they lost three cool. two. The the thing about uh, Sampoli is, look, I, I think they were pretty much for the whole season punching mm. above their weight. Yeah. They're they're a phenomenal club, real fans club. And even when I was speaking to Jackson Irvine about it, I, in general, I don't think anyone f- expected them to be where they were. Certainly, they're not their own fans. They were just enjoying it and loving it and hoping that that they could take it over the wire. Um, and then you look at those teams I mentioned: Schalke, Werder Bremen, Hamburg, in and around them. I mean, formidable opposition and clubs that are on far larger budgets than 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 some poly brilliant well and we've I, got yes bridgie i take it you've saved the best league in the world to last have you which one are we talking about here oh, come on you know what you're gonna say oh no i was just gonna say a quick note on the serie a. it's going yeah, right down here to we the go <laughs> it's going right down to the wire ac milan they're in the box seat but they play their rivals atalanta who this, their fans despise each other and i wanted to well i can ask you here bridgie taking me back to my childhood mate what do you mean? Oh, oh man, when I was a, I'm a, I was a massive AC Milan fan, obviously. In the sixties. Oh man, steady you. <laughs> you know, it, it was the Dutch connection. It was when they had the the Rijkaard, Hullet, and Van Basten. Man, that was for me. And they were taking on Inter Milan. They had the German connection there. Yeah. I, yeah. I just used to love it, and it's great to see this now as the tight. Oh, I'm I'm so excited for this. So I'm mm. going to give you credit here. This is a really really exciting running, and it's great to see this rivalry back after so many years. Did you ever get the chance? Because Atalanta now, they're not playing for anything, but they've got a chance to ruin the title for their bitter rivals. Did you ever play in those positions as a player where you're not in the title race, but do you get up for the chance to ruin the title for someone else? Of course you've got to. That's yeah. what you, That's why we're professional footballers. We're winners. Right. You, you don't want to, you don't want to be an easy <laughs> bit, mate. You get up for every game. You want to spoil every party you can. And if the party doesn't centre around you, then you want to spoil it. <laughs> Brilliant. Spoken like a true footballer. We love the egos, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me. We've gone a little bit over, but it doesn't matter because there was so much to cover. Uh, we had a special guest on today. We've covered the, the women's game and, and the men's game as we get to the fun part of the season. This is where we have wins, we have relegations, we have titles, we have all the rest. And as a reminder, guys, make sure you're sending our ratings because we've seen plenty of five stars, believe it or not, coming through. And I think, you know, it may be to do with the absence of Michael Bridges and Mark Schwartz. I'm not sure, but the five star ratings have been through the roof. Thank Thanks, guys. Keep that coming. We'll try and cycle up the guests as much as we can. Tommy did a phenomenal job last week. Make sure you're following up to sport on all socials and keeping up with the latest in world football. We'll see you same time, same place next week. See you later, guys. Thanks for joining us. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.